Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Rumours of no extension to the eviction ban, enticing tax breaks for landlords. We bring you the very latest as coalition leaders meet. Cabinet is to consider a memo from Minister Eamon Ryan aiming to decrease our reliance on private cars. But the notion of congestion charge in our city centres is leading to disagreement. Like congestion charges aren't on the agenda uh, at the moment for Irish cities. Um, you know, it's something that I think you could see happen and make sense, uh, perhaps in Dublin in the future. And later, the setting of gorse fires, considering the dangers and impact on wildlife, is it time to put an end to the practice? As always, you can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. Leo Varadkar has said it will be a matter for the Cabinet to weigh up the pros and cons of the current ban on the eviction of tenants in rental properties and to make a decision tomorrow morning on what the next steps should be. Well, following the meeting of coalition leaders tonight, a picture of what could be proposed is starting to take shape. Well, for more on this, I'm joined by political correspondent for Bauer Media, Sean Defoe. Sean, you're very welcome along to the programme. Uh, bring us up to date on these discussions that have taken place between the leaders of the coalition and the housing minister, Dara O'Brien. Yeah, Dara O'Brien met with the, those three leaders, Leo Varadkar, Micheál Martin and Eamon Ryan at government buildings earlier. Uh, quite a, a long meeting between them and those party leaders have remained in the meeting talking about some of the other issues as they do pre-Cabinet. And the talk of the town today had been that the eviction ban was going to be extended possibly by as much as two years with some of the reporting. That is not going to be the case. And while Cabinet tomorrow will have the final decision, as the, the Taoiseach has said, uh, Dara O'Brien is going to bring the recommendation that the evictions ban end as planned on March 31st. Now, the way that ends is on a phased basis. That was always the plan, that if you got your notice to quit during this particular eviction ban period, you were still going to have a certain amount of days after March 31st up to the 18th of June, in some cases, uh, by which you could still legally stay in the property. So there are some tenants that won't end up being evicted from the property until June, but there are others who are obviously going to face eviction now much earlier, and no eviction ban is going to be extended extended beyond that. Some of the reasoning talking to sources tonight is that legal concern that was there, that the property rights in the Constitution mean that any ban had to be time-limited and that by extending it and extending it, you could make a very credible legal argument that it was no longer temporary and it could face a challenge in the courts. Another element emerging out of that meeting today is that Darrell O'Brien is now going to go away and develop what's been described as a significant financial package, both for landlords and for tenants in the budget. Nothing's been decided on what that might look like, but some of the things being discussed are the likes of extending the rent-a-room tax credit that is there at 
the moment whereby someone can rent out a room in their family home and get 14 grand a year tax-free, uh, extending that out to, to regular landlords as well, particularly small landlords, so that they can get that 14,000. And then other supports for renters. And what housing sources are telling me tonight is that while this eviction ban won't be extended, what the government is going to do instead is offer more money to landlords, more money to tenants, and then also to try to ramp up the delivery of housing to address the underlying causes rather than the, the effect, if you like, that is the eviction ban. But just to clarify, Sean, those measures that you're talking about, those tax breaks, uh, in essence, for landlords that may be coming down the line, they won't be immediate. That'll be something that'll be considered a budget time. And if there are indeed some incentives um, and some help being offered to tenants too, that will be later on this year. Yeah, absolutely. Look, that's not something that's going to happen overnight or even in, in the coming weeks. It's something that uh, the Taoiseach Bill Anchor has said only in the last couple of weeks that if you are looking at a package that size and really if you were looking at doing something significant in the market, both for renters and for landlords, you're talking in the region of sort of eight, seven, eight hundred to a billion uh, euro, that is not going to be done outside of budget time and they're going to take their time doing it. So there isn't going to be immediate out there anyway. And also in relation to ramping up the housing supports, you remember when this eviction ban was brought in, the part, one of the reasons that was given was to give the government time in order to build housing and try to ease some of the pressure that was there in the market. Obviously, that pressure hasn't eased. The number of people on the homelessness lists are higher than they were, and things are, are still at a boiling point. So none of that either is going to happen in the very immediate future, meaning that pressure that is there is going to be kicked on, but people will now be uh, subject to evictions, even if some of that won't be until June and into the summer. OK, Sean, thank you for bringing us up to date on that. Uh, Sean Defoe, political correspondent with Barra Media, bringing us up to date on those talks that have taken place between the coalition leaders and Minister Dara O'Brien tonight about what is just going to happen at the eviction ban that is currently in place. To come to you, Neil Richmond, on that, um, like there was an idea, and we did hear it from, that the Green Party weren't happy at the stopping of any eviction ban. Um, and this idea that it's sort of politically unpalatable to, to do right now when we are in a housing crisis. But nonetheless, what's being reported tonight is that it is going to be uh, stopped, that evictions can happen again and that ban will be lifted. I think first and foremost, it behoves me to say that no decision has been taken. It'll be taken tomorrow morning at Cabinet. It's not black and white. The Cabinet will weigh up the pros and cons. Obviously, there was discussion tonight between the three government leaders and the relevant line minister. And there's been very frank discussion about this over the last number of weeks, both in the Dáil and in each of our parliamentary parties at various meetings and debates. Um, the eviction ban was brought in in good faith. It was brought in to help try and stem the increase in levels of homelessness. But there is very huge knock-on effects when you bring in a matter like this. There's obviously concerns about legal challenges and there's obviously concerns about is this causing people to leave the rental market altogether? And ultimately, what we want to see, Claire is more housing, more housing of every nature for every people, social, affordable, rental, affordable purchase. Last year, we, we beat our housing targets in terms of new units constructed. This year, we're already seeing commencement notices for a starting building going ahead of schedule. Right. So any decision taken tomorrow will be a very serious one and it won't be a black... Okay. Well, it sounds like the decisions um, have sort of been, been trashed out tonight and, uh, in essence, they've come to a point that they're ready to make that decision or at least brief the Cabinet. Um, I just want to discuss um, and introduce the rest of uh, my panel now. As I said, uh, Neil Richmond has joined us, uh, the Minister for, uh, of State for Employment uh, Affairs and Business. Uh, we're also joined by researcher Claire O'Connor, independent TD Michael Healy-Ray, and finance correspondent for The Currency, Sean Keyes. Uh, you're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. Um, Claire O'Connor, on that one, what we are hearing tonight is that this eviction um, ban will not stay in place and that there are also going to be incentives for landlords coming on stream. What's your reaction to what you're hearing? 
I don't see how we could possibly think of ending the moratorium on... And also, it's a moratorium on no-fault evictions. Evictions are still happening. And even though we have that moratorium, the people presenting as homeless, the numbers presenting as homeless are still increasing. So, and Rory Heron actually produced a piece of uh, research today with facts that show that it actually has had an impact. There's been arguments that it hasn't had an impact. It obviously has. For me, you know, we can talk about an eviction ban, we can talk about a moratorium, but for me, that's just time. It's a, you know, it's a plaster over a really gaping wound. And it would be time, even if we had nine months a year, for the government to implement some real emergency measures. You know, we've seen what emergency measures can kind of be used, like during COVID. And I think that we could be looking at doing that for housing. Housing hasn't been really treated like the emergency it has. The fact that we're at record homelessness figures, the fact that... Yeah, mm. but, yeah, but we've had that eviction ban. We've had this in place for six months now and the argument has been that what has been done in yeah. that time... What, what has been done? I don't think anything really... I don't think anything... And, ha ha and has it worked? No, I don't think anything, anything has been done with a kind of, you know, sense of emergency or sense of urgency that it needs. I think we need to be looking at, you know bringing in modular homes, we need to be looking at... I mean, we're talking about landlords. The idea that we would be throwing potentially up to 800 million at landlords is absolutely outrageous. I think that there's a piece of research that the NERC did during... Or two weeks ago, they published it, and they talked about, basically, they asked landlords, are you thinking of exiting the market? 25% said they were. But only 7.5% were actually down to tax and regulatory issues. And I think that's really important here. Why would we have the tax income we have from that sector when only 7.5% are actually threatening to leave because of it? If they're threatening to leave, I'd say, take that 800 million, I'd say, offer to buy those Homes, give them a potential reduction in capital gains tax, as you know has been recommended by a number of agencies, uh, and and the state has that asset then, and those people have secure tenure for for potentially their whole lives. Neil, a good idea. Yeah, well, first of all, we'll make the point, modular homes have started, the shovels are going into the ground, that's something that will be rolled out uh, this month and next month, and it's very important. Um, there are landlords leaving the market, we have seen that, and we have seen that evidence, and we get feedback from, and Michael will agree with this, an awful lot of that landlords in the last couple of weeks and months and saying they're very worried, they're not convinced by it. This notion that we can take the 800 million euro, the package that Sean has discussed, it's not just possibly about release for landlords, it's which will keep people in the homes in the middle, but it's also relief to renters, like we've seen uh, over the last couple of months in terms of the 500 euro rent room, or sorry, the 500 euro uh, credit for renters that's gone up to 1,000 euro. That's the sort of things that that entire package is talking about. It's not just a one-off But we're talking about big incentives now for, for landlords at a time of a housing crisis. The, the focus of the government, it appears to be, is on keeping landlords in the market in order to solve a state problem. No, the focus of the government is building houses, Claire. As I said, we built over okay, 30,000... OK, but we 000. are behind targets on no, that. No, we're, we're actually ahead of targets yeah, of last on year. The, we were over 2,500. On the specific and uh, this year we're ahead of targets about, as well. On the social and affordable housing, on easing those... Crucially easing those housing... Four billion euro has gone into the budget this year for building social housing. That's this year. And we'll, like, what about uh, next year? finish the point, Claire. And next year that will be increased, and that's the plan in the budget. We will absolutely deliver more social housing and affordable housing through the Land Development Agency. That is on course and on target. We're in this housing crisis because government, pol our government policy for successive governments has been to throw money into the private rental market and to rely on the private sector to provide. And that hasn't happened. Like This has just gotten worse and worse in the past 10 years. When did the government actually change policy and say this isn't working and we're going to actually take responsibility for this? We're putting €4 billion Euro into social right. housing. What's that I want, I want to bring in the rest of my panel at this point. Uh, Michael Healy-Ray, uh, tax breaks for landlords. This means money in the pockets of landlords. Uh, you yourself have spoken publicly about being a landlord. So um, is this the perk... You wanted, is this, the, is this what's necessary to keep landlords from selling up? I've been involved in the provision of accommodation since I was 19, so I'd like to think that I'd know a thing or two about it. So you've been a landlord since you were 19 years of age? I've been involved in it, and the one thing that I do know is what is being proposed now, as far as I'm concerned, with regard to the private rental market, is too little, too late.
And what I mean by that is so many people have exited over the last number of years because what they're continuously hearing is this demonization, and we're hearing it again tonight, of people who own property and who rent it out. What we need in Ireland is we need a balance. We obviously need more local authority houses to be built. In the county that I represent, I would dearly love to see Kerry County Council building more single rural cottages. That's houses on people's land that they would provide themselves. We used to always do it before. Schemes of houses in villages and in towns. We need that. We also need the building contractor who is able to go in mm. and borrow money, get a site, get planning permission on it, build houses and sell them at affordable rates. A very big, no, just I have to make this point. A very prominent and respectable builder said to me one time, the whole thing has gone wallop. When I used to be building houses before and selling them, he said, to doctors, nurses and guards. And no, they can't afford to buy the houses that are there because there are so little houses there and they're so expensive to buy. We need more houses which would help bring down yeah. the I, I think cost it, of I think, I think it is. I think it's broadly acknowledged that we need you more, need more houses. We need more but houses But to hear a continuation country. of the demonisation of people who have property by saying that the government have been throwing money at the private... Where have the government been throwing money? All they're doing is taking 56% tax from people. Do you realise that? That when a person owns a property and rents it out, they pay tax at 56%. That's the a, biggest that's, taker of the yeah, money that's if that paying, is paid in rent. Yeah, that's if, it's, if they're like paying at the higher, higher rate yes, of tax yes, on but income. But the yeah. biggest If anybody else in the but country you, has would a business... You, would you make of that, that charge that you're, you're demonising landlords, um, Claire, by... I'm talking about government policy because like, that's where I think the focus needs to be. I'm not talking about individuals who own, you know, who the, the, the idea of accidental landlords or small landlords who have a couple mix. of properties. What I'm talking about is constant social transfers that are basically throwing short-term money after short-term money and good money after bad. What I'm talking about when I'm talking about that is the need for long-term thinking, capital spending, um, public affordable housing. I want, and even beyond that, because we do have those conversations a lot, I'm talking about, I know we're going to be hearing from James, but extending the tenants in situ scheme to include cost rental. Like There's policy decisions here that, that could be allowing local authorities to be going in and actually buying units, preventing people from being uh, evicted. I mean, these, you know, people who are selling a property don't particularly care who buys it once they're getting the, the, the money for it. Um, Sean, um, like what we're, we're hearing tonight is, of course, this. now we're hearing reports of the, that the eviction ban will not remain. There will be a tax break for landlords. That's something that has been lobbied hard upon, that there will be help offered to landlords in order that they stay in the market. Um, what's your take on, on where the government are going with all of this and their policy now on essentially what, what we need to do is provide a, a greater housing supply in, in cities and counties and in, in all areas right across the country. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame that this has been framed both by the government and which we can see it right here tonight as uh, landlords versus tenants. And the Taoiseach has said repeatedly that he needs to balance the interests of landlords and tenants. And like, I don't think that's right. And I think if that were true, it would actually be quite a simple decision because tenants are the ones in the most acute need right now. If it was that simple, you just say have tenants. But I don't think that is the choice. I think the real choice is something more like the, the short-term interest of tenants and the long-term interest of tenants. I think in the short-term, there's no doubt there's a lot of tenants who are being helped by this policy. But I think if you broaden it out, if you look at all tenants, if you look at th that group in the long-term, these sorts of policies are, will actually, are not in their interest, interest in the long run. They actually do impede new homes being built. In the long run, they lead to shortages, higher rents. Sorry, what specifically are leading to 
problems. Well, okay, what so specifically, you're talking about now in terms of well, I'm talking of, about the, 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 the family of policies we have around tenant protection, which have, have grown from um, rent pressure zones out to this in a sort of an ad hoc manner, bit by bit, in a sort of unpredictable and ad hoc manner. And it's that fa like a landlord won't say, "I'm leaving the market for it because of this particular policy and this particular tax." It's just what well, how that how this how, how the entire num how the entire economics of it stack up for them. And I think. We can see and we can write newspaper articles about mm -hmm. the landlords who are leaving the market. But what the much bigger problem is the people who don't arrive in the first place, people who don't build, because they're the ones we really need. All right, OK. At this point, uh, I want to talk to James O'Toole from Red Network, who's joining us now via Skype um, for his reaction to this. James, you're an advocate for the tenant in this situation. When you hear reports that the eviction ban, which has been in place for, for six months, um, will cease um, at the end of this month, what's your reaction to that? Well, I'm one of the tenants here at Tathany House. There's 35 units in this block and we're facing mass eviction from this block. So just like hundreds, if not thousands of people across this country tonight, I think a lot of people are going to be, you know, facing sleepless nights and stress uh, because they thought that the government might throw them a lifeline. And as people have said, uh, an eviction ban isn't a long-term solution to the housing crisis. But what it does is it puts things on pause while solutions can be put in place. Like, for example, an extension of the tenant in situ purchase scheme could help save us here at Tathany House. You know, an approved housing body could step in, work with Dublin City Council, buy this apartment block and keep people in their homes. But also then the council would have an asset going forward that it could use for social housing. So I think that Sorry, it's quite just, shocking. I just want, want yeah. to ask you, um, has in the six months then that the eviction ban has been in place, has that helped your situation? That action that you're talk, talking about um, when there is a pause in evictions, has it happened in your case? And do you think progress has been made to help you and others like you? You see, our eviction, we got our eviction notice just before the current moratorium and our eviction date is June the 2nd, just after the moratorium. So actually the eviction ban didn't help us. But what it did give us was it gave us a few months to campaign. And uh, the consequence of our campaign has been that we've started negotiations with Dublin City Council. At the moment, they're saying uh, blocks like ours where there's mixed tenancies, where you've got people who are on the social housing list and people who aren't on the social housing list, that it's not possible for them to purchase that block. But actually, there is a precedent for the purchase of a block like ours. Leaside Apartments in Cork was bought by Cork County Council. Uh, they facilitated the purchase by Cluid. That's an approved housing body. And they purchased uh, Leaside Apartments in Cork, even though there was people on the social housing list and people who weren't on the social housing list. The people who weren't on the social housing list continued to pay the rate of rent that they paid prior to the purchase. So there are precedents uh, for these uh, schemes to be extended and for tenant in situ to be extended. Because at the moment, even Dara O'Brien is making the excuse that uh, tenant in situ can't be used to help tenants who aren't on the social housing list. And as we know, the social housing list thresholds are very, very low. And so if you're saying you're not going to help people who aren't on the social housing list, then you're not going to help many people. All right. Uh, I just want to bring my panel uh, back in at this point. And Neil, like when you hear that, I suppose I'm wondering, has there been enough in the way of innovative measures, measures to keep people in their homes and to help people when this eviction ban was in place. We're lifting it now. Look, it might be because of, you know, legal fears the government has about, you know, um, different legal action being taken about, uh, about uh, 
you know, imposing a long-term eviction, eviction ban. But, like, in the time that it was in place and it was deemed an extraordinary measure at that time, there was opportunity. Do you think that the opportunity has been seized and that a lot has been done in that time? Enough has been done? Well, first and foremost, Claire, and I have to say this, no decision has been taken. I think you can't expect me to go full down right. to predicting... Well, either way. Either, either way. way. We're just either discussing way. And I think the that's pros fair, and I do think it is important to put the context that a decision will be made tomorrow morning at Cabinet weighing up all the pros and cons, OK? I think that's important. Do I think enough has been done? I think absolutely we should be doing more. And I think crucial to that is more supply. More Did we supply do enough since November? Did we do enough in the six months that we had it in place? I think a lot has been done in terms of... Um, because homelessness has continued to rise. Homelessness, of course, continue to rise. But the reason homelessness continue to rise is we have a huge swell in population, but we haven't had house building to the scale to meet that. We're starting to see the corner mm. genuinely turn into that, both in terms of... House building, again, again, Claire, and I'll just finish yeah. the point, not just in terms of house building, but also acquisition. We're seeing uh, more vacant accommodation being brought back in. I think it's really important. OK. A very, I, a very important point about all of this is the policies of opposition and the policies of government with regard to housing are obviously failing. But when we're looking at opposition, and I'll be very fair about everything, the people who are shouting most about housing inside the Dáil are the biggest serial objectors to housing in their own constituencies. We have individual TDs who have objected to hundreds mm. of units for uh, student accommodation, thousands of homes which would have been for families, whether they would have been social mm. or affordable, or whether they would have been through the voluntary housing organisations. I think That's that problem of objecting is cross-party. Yeah, well, 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 if it is, all I've I can tell you I've never objected to a single house. Well, you may not have, but... I said it, I said it, I said it recently would you, would you to a journalist. It's, it's cross-party. I would love to see a newspaper reporter or somebody from the media coming along and asking every TD in the country and every senator, how many planning applications have you objected to? Because if we want houses, mm -hmm. you can't have an omelette without cracking an egg. And we have people in Ireland who are objecting to houses. And at the same time, they're jumping up and down every day inside the doll and shouting about the housing well, tonight, crisis. Tonight, we're talking about the eviction ban. Yes, but, so but as, it's as, all related. As a it's all about measure, providing houses. In, in the middle of a housing crisis, you believe it is, it's right, Michael, to do away with it at this point? No, oh no. You see, the problem is, I never said I was against the eviction ban. What I wanted was so, a policy that would work. And what was worrying me about the ban that has been there it hasn't actually worked because now that we're coming out of it, we, 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 you see James gave you a very excellent presentation. He's worried now tonight, and as the people that were in, why wasn't the, their situation addressed during the last six months while the ban was in place? The, in other words, the ban was there and nothing was actually done while the ban was there to protect the people. Claire. Yeah, I agree there. I mean, I think I don't think we should be talking about opposition policies because they're not in power and they haven't been in power for 10 years and it's the housing policies of people that have been in government that have caused this crisis. It's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And we're talking about housing targets. I mean, any housing expert will tell you that those targets aren't even close to what we need. I mean, it's actually just compounding it. And my issue is, and I'm not demonising landlords, I know some people who are very lucky with the landlords they have, but that's luck. And our housing system shouldn't be based on luck. People don't have the kind of security of tenure that people across Europe have. We need to address that. We, again, these are short-term measures. This eviction ban would basically give the government an opportunity to do something in those nine months. But we need to be looking at the kind of policies that are across Europe, the kind of security of tenure. What do you think could be achieved in the next nine months or the next few months, should the eviction ban stay, um, that I, hasn't clearly been I, achieved I, Honestly, I, I think if it was actually to be considered an emergency and use emergency powers, look at planning, look at uh, procurement guidelines. And, and yeah... yeah. 
I mean, yeah, to, to, to treat it as an emergency, I mean, that's one of the arguments from campaigners is despite all of this and having an eviction ban in place, um, the, the, the accusation is that it hasn't been treated as the emergency. And radically increase public housing figures. Like, we need to radically increase okay. public housing targets. Uh, Sean, on that. Yes, but I mean, the, if so what's the emergency? Is the emergency that we don't, that, um, that we're not building enough homes? Maybe is that, that's the emergency. And if that's the case, then this is exactly the kind of policy which slows down the, the building of new homes. I mean, so it's sort of like, how do you define the emergency? Is it about the kind of acute pain that people are feeling as tenants, which is very much real? Or is the emergency the lack of homes, which is kind of the underlying problem, which is causing those symptoms? So like, it, they're both pulling in different directions. By treating this, by giving, by, by aiding people who need their help, you're actually making the underlying problem worse. It's not just any homes, I, though, because the private rental market has caused this. A rely, an over-reliance on the private rental market is what has got us here in the first place. Is there a quick fix to that? I mean, right a, a radical change in government policy, but, yeah, I do yeah. think there but, is. Neil, but hold on, we've heard... I just want to get Neil in on this, because I yeah, do think that like, people change. will be sitting here and, like, we are facing this problem because of the state's reliance on private landlords to to fill a gap, to again, fill a gap this, that hasn't, this that hasn't that been done over years of Fine Gael in government. And again, again, you go back to when Fine Gael came into government but and was the that, economy that, was in the kneel. Yeah, no, but is that a glaring mistake? But it has been policy but, since then, but all I, the No, way but I along. think if you look at the actual policy, and we can't throw out terms like emergency and radical change without backing up with what actually is happening on the ground. Again, a budget of €4 billion Euro for social, public housing, a land development agency created that's going to build 1,400 yeah. homes we do in Dundrum in my own constituency. But they're rooted in social transfers. They're rooted in social transfers. They're not building housing, right. they're paying private institutional investors to house people. No, this is about the government, the Land Development Agency, acquiring land, public land, and building public houses and public land. That is a very clear policy that was initiated a couple of years ago, and we're starting to see the fruit of that with those sites actually coming in uh, to be I developed. Do, I disagree. I, think I don't think the figures are anyway close to what we need. But, I think the targets no, are... No, but you're talking about social related. transfers. If you don't put in that Land Development Agency, budget that money, start the planning process, and actually get shovels in the ground, but, you won't get the houses. But we're still allowing REITs to come in but and buy a about, property block. Talking about getting that shovel into the ground. If you go to any of the local authorities around the country, eight weeks after putting in an application, you'll get a yes, no, or a further information request. That's fair enough. Our local authorities are doing their job. Whether you like their decisions or not, they're giving a goddamn decision. What about Bar Planala? 500 cases over 12 months lying on their desks. One application could be for hundreds of houses. They've actually 2,676 cases on their table now. What are they doing with it? They couldn't organise, you know... Yeah. Oh, it is. I, I if we get into the language, we will be here all day. We will be here but, all yes, day. And but, I do think. I but do we think have to get the finger it, out and get applications got right. through. Michael, and, we're and planning for slumber that they're in at the moment. Okay, we have to leave it there for now. We'll have to leave that there for now. There will be plenty more um, discussion on that issue in the coming days, of course. Um, my thanks to Claire O'Connor and to James, who joined us um, on Skype tonight. The rest of the panel will be staying on with me coming up after the break. Could you be charged for driving your car into our city centres? Do stay with us. Well, Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. Now, ice warnings for the whole of Ireland have been issued for tonight through to tomorrow morning by Met Aaron and the UK Met Office. Well, for more on this, I'm joined by Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Alan, um, just how bad is it likely... Is it likely to get over the coming days? We're expecting it to turn pretty cold tonight, aren't we? And overnight. Yes, temperatures are already dropping below zero in the north of the country and also some actual snowfall reported in Derry in the last hour. It's going to drop to minus three, minus four degrees tonight in many parts of the country with a very icy start tomorrow morning. So unfortunately, it will be a hard frost overnight and some icy stretches. Also some wintry showers in the south just fading out by morning. So particularly cold for the next two to three days. The main risk then is of snowfall on Thursday into Friday, possibly even Wednesday night. A lot of uncertainty on the weather models, even this far out. But some of the weather models are showing a risk of some very disruptive snow in the northern half of the country through Wednesday night, Thursday and into Friday. OK, so we don't know if that's going to be countrywide yet. It's certainly looking more towards the northern part of the country that's going to be hit by snow uh, if there is some. I'm reminded of the beast from the east of five years ago now when we had that nationwide snow and chronically bad weather. Um, is there any sign that it could be going any way towards a sort of a more uh, difficult and tough situation or is it likely just to, you know, stay as it is, pretty cold and just to keep an eye out on snow in some northern parts? Well, it could fall as snow for a time and then turn to rain in southern parts and kind of a sleety mix of rain and back to snow. But some of the weather models are showing some significant snowfall for parts of the northwest and the west and even into the midlands. So I would urge people to keep up to date with the weather forecast over the next 48 hours, especially in the northwest of the country, because they could see some significant snowfall, even if it is for a short period of time, especially on higher ground, but even at lower levels. OK, Alna Riley, thank you for bringing us up to date um, on the weather that's forecast for the days of ahead. Now, in other news today, plans to introduce congestion charges and higher car parking fees in a bid to reduce car usage have been widely criticised by some government TDs. The Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, will bring the memo to Cabinet tomorrow, which will trigger a year-long process of developing a demand management strategy that will allow the country to reach its emission reduction targets. Well, Neil Richmond, Michael Healy Ray and Sean Keyes are still with me and we're also joined now by environmentalist and author Aina Nilao. Now, you're very welcome along um, to the show tonight, Aina. Um, first, to come to you, Sean, on this and what this memo is all about. Um, obviously, the big contentious line in all of this is congestion charges, but the, the bottom line is reducing uh, traffic, isn't it really? It's about getting cars out of the city, which unfortunately it comes down to. There's no uh, win-win solution when it comes to city space. It's limited. Uh, the way we have it in Ireland, look, the, the big story is in the long run, we've added lots of jobs in our cities. That's great. And the cities have grown and that's good too. 
and our transport network hasn't really grown with it. So what are we going to do? We've got four choices. You can do nothing and that's fine. You can have just longer commutes. Maybe you don't want that that much. You could build giant highways through the city. It's kind of a non-starter, but that's the way the Americans do it. You could build a subway system, very expensive, we can't really do that, seems to be beyond us. Or you can make more efficient use of our road space. Cars are an incredibly inefficient way to move people through the city. If you take space away from cars, into that space, you put almost anything else, you'll move way more people through the city. So this is about the priorities we currently have and shifting those priorities now to look at public transport and essentially take the cars off the road to make way for everything else. Yes, it's, it's, but I think it's important to, that it's about, to me anyway, it's about efficiency. It's not about environmentalism. I mean, maybe that's, that's, that's a benefit too. That's, that's a part of it. And it's been proposed by a Green Minister, so it gets coded that way and it'll be debated that way. But this is about cities and city space and making the best possible use of city space. All right, uh, Neil Richmond, we are hearing, already hearing grumblings from uh, government TDs, from backbenchers, uh, describing this plan, what Eamon Ryan is due to bring to Cabinet tomorrow as tone deaf and not wise. Um, what's your take on it? Well, I've no ideological opposition to congestion charges. I actually think inevitably we're moving that direction. I think they've worked in London, and I agree with Sean, I think it is about what's the most efficient way to get people in and out to commute in our cities. What I'd like to see is a continuation of the priority of building our public transport infrastructure. That, that means more trams on the Lewis network, more darts, more rail, a lot more buses, and building a lot more cycle lanes, which we have started and we're seeing huge investment in. I think we need to get to a space where it's not just about go for the, the stick and the punishment. We need to give people that viable alternative. More late night routes, we're starting to see the extension of 24-hour bus routes, more late night Lewis and Dart services. I think the priority should be ramping up that. And in due course, I, I fully expect there to be congestion charges in due course, and I've no but opposition is, to it. But this is obviously but coming now because there are emission reduction targets in place and we're really playing catch-up here, Neil. Yeah, and they're not just targets, they're legally binding measures that we okay. simply have to reach So I'm just wondering about what, what Leo Varadkar um, was saying today and sort of saying, look, this is, this is like a discussion we're having at this point, you know, congestion charges being, you know, we're way down the line. We're pouring essentially a little bit of cold water on what Eamon Ryan will be putting before Cabinet tomorrow. Well, what Eamon himself said over the weekend is that he's bringing a document, a memo to Cabinet tomorrow, which will be part of a 12-month engagement and how we genuinely move towards those targets. Yes, congestion charges will be it, parking fees, parking spaces, but top of the agenda, and it's in the programme of government and we've seen the funding in the budget, is massively ramping up the supply of okay. affordable public transport. Um, you know, what do you make of this? It is quite a contentious issue, the idea of charging people to get into our city centres at a time when the argument is that we don't have the public transport network in place. Sean's talking about efficiencies and it is not efficient. Hey, yeah, but that's the detail. That's the detail of it. I mean, the actual point of the thing is that it's to reduce carbon emissions which are causing climate change. Now, we all think we shouldn't be having climate change. This is a bad thing. We don't want the world to end in a big burn, which is the way it's going. We have seven years left before it's too late. We have children, we have grandchildren facing the world we've ruined. And we're not willing to make any effort to do anything to change it. We want it to be changed, but not yet. Not me, not us, not now, not me. You know, so Eamon Ryan is saying we, our transport emissions are 20% of, of what we put up in Ireland. And each one has to be drawn back. This is what you said, the legal agreement. And that's a great idea, but don't ask me to do it. Don't ask me to have to 
but reduce my standard of living. So this is the hypocrisy of it. The hypocrisy of it is that everybody in Ireland says, yes, we should reduce climate change, but nobody is willing to make any effort to do it. Are I mean, we, that's what that's what. Are we uncomfortable with that? Like, these are hard decisions and decisions that we'll be, we will have to make around cutting our emissions will not suit everyone and they will require a change in mindset and they will require a change in behaviour, uh, Michael Healy-Ray. Yes. What the Green Party and, of course, now Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, because they're all tied together so closely and they're bonded well together and they all seem to agree on everything like this. Now, if they think that it's right when people are struggling so hard at present with the high cost of motoring to be talking about... That, because it's not just the congestion charge. Mm. They're also talking about... Uh, increasing um, car parking costs. They're talking about putting further up the cost of fuel. They're talking about uh, reducing uh, the speed limit, for instance, by 20 kilometres of a reduction on all of our roads. This, some of the stuff that they're coming out with is so loony, it's beyond belief. And I want to point out another thing, that Eamon Ryan has not just said this about uh, coming into towns or into cities. He also said, a long time ago, that we should have carpooling in villages and we should have a couple of cars inside in the local village and we should come out... we should come out these targets? We should come out from our homes, cycle to the village and get into this car. Is this an NIMBY attitude? No, no, it is not. It's a thing called the reality of living. People have to get up in the morning and go to What about the reality of the emissions targets that we have to reach? Isn't that the problem that we have to... Address well, straight well, on. Could we look at the elephant in the room as well? Because, like I say, we discussed this with the Irish Rural Association when they came into the Dáil recently, myself and my colleagues in the Rural Independent Group, and we were discussing a lot of this. And there's a couple of other things that we have to talk about in Ireland. If the Greens, again, with Fine Gael and with Fianna Fáil, because they're all tied together, if they had their way, we would have nothing in rural Ireland except what I would call the three Bs. And you know what the three Bs are? Briars badgers and bullocks. Because if they had their way, that's what we'd have in rural Ireland. Because they'd shut us down completely. People have to live, whether it's in rural Ireland or whether it's in urban Ireland. And it's fine for Aina to come along here tonight and say, oh, the reality of it is this has to happen. It doesn't have to bloody well happen. Go away and tell that to the crowd in India, in China and in America who are producing half of the emissions that are coming out of this world. We're not it to your grandchildren. We're, we're not you producing, we're not producing less than to... 0.1 of 1%. That's what we are doing in Ireland. And we're twisting over backwards and we're okay, putting you've all had this loads imposition of time, down you've on had top loads of people. Time. Aina, I and need to let you respond to that. Lunacy. The 5 million people in Ireland are putting up as much emissions as 55 million people in Africa. We do 12 tonnes per head. We're not squeaky clean by any manner of means. Just as well there's only 5 million of us. Point one of point one percent. That is not the point. It is the, the po- point. No, no, Michael, it is. Go away and talk to the Chinese are the Germans who are opening with the coal mines. You don't like listening to the We truth. are talking, though, about Ireland and we do have targets in place, whether we like we it should, or not. We shut down Bonamona and we're bringing over Brails Briquettes from Germany and Pete from Lafayette. Fact. Aina, we have a we have I want to let Aina, I I want to let Aina respond. You can't answer it. I want I to let Aina respond Shut up and let me say it. I'll shut Aina. up and I'll let you answer Aina. it if you're able to. Aina. We exported 500 half a million tonnes of peat last year from Ireland. So I'm very about importing We briquettes. imported it from Lafayette. We didn't. We exported it And we're selling for... German briquettes. I thought you said you were going to let me speak. I'll go on away. You're we're not. You're still interrupting me. She listens to your programme. I'm what a... am I here for at all? 
Am I, am, I, am I telling lies when I say we're importing bells and briquettes from We need Germany? to let Ina in now, yeah, Michael, that, because you've had plenty okay. of time. I said we... There are, this is a fact. 500,000, half a million tonnes of peat were exported last year. Whether this was for peat moss or whatever, it was taken out of bogs and burnt. But we're talking about um, congestion charges and nobody is talking about any congestion charges for any part of Kerry or rural Ireland. This is actually a thing for Dublin. You should be delighted with it, actually, rather than giving out about it. But the, 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 the point, I suppose, that is also being made is while we don't have the public transport infrastructure in but that's place true. in I mean, this country, London. can we really introduce congestion charges yeah, but and, see, and, this is and the essentially point. penalties on people yeah, to but use this their is, cars? This is the point. This is the point. I mean, the government is not doing it tomorrow. It's a whole year's discussion on the matter. The point is that people do we not want... We have time want... for that. Do we have time for discussions about discussions about things that essentially yeah, but the will thing have is, to come down If we the never do anything, point. by 2030 it'll be too late. And then we'll all be saying, in 2033, why didn't we do it? And you'll be playing recordings of these programmes and telling your grandchildren, this is what happened. The, the world is going up in flames and people do not understand do you, Will there be cross-party support for this? As I said, we're already hearing, you know, accusations of this being tone-deaf, out of touch and not wise, Neil. Um, is there a sense in government that, yes, look, we do need to face up to it. We do need the likes of congestion charges. Um, we do need to pay more if we're going to park in city centres. If we want to take cars off the road, there needs to be a change in approach and there needs to be a change in mindset. There's cross-government support for having the discussion about the memo. There is a very clear... Having the discussion I just about point, There's a very clear commitment in the programme of government. We passed a climate action bill with legally binding targets for the transport sector, for uh, construction, for retail, for industry. We have clear targets we have to meet. There is a whole manner of things and I certainly think my priority is building up not only the public transport network, but reducing the cost, which we have already done this year, for the cost of using that public transport. That's the key thing. Do you think, if in, do you due think course in terms we do... of priorities, though, that maybe there needs to be a push towards taking the cars off the road and then, you know, in turn, that will force public transport to the fore? That will mean... That's for buses, that's for bikes, that's for, you know, people to make their own way into the city, not Absolutely. using cars. We need to take cars off the road coming into our city. No one's denying it. That's why there's huge investment into cycle lanes and public transport. And that's why I want to see it increase okay. in the budget this year. Sean, um, your, your take on this, because, look, it does, it does uh, prompt a very uh, heated response from people um, who feel frustrated at either end of this argument. Absolutely. And I think one lesson I would say is that um, it's obviously going to be difficult to change Places where they have done this and made the, the shift, like Paris is a good example. Not very long ago, Paris just did a big change, reallocated a lot of road space away from cars and to bicycles. And it was popular, it was unpopular in advance, it's popular now. Again, with the uh, congestion charging in London, incredibly unpopular when polled in advance, incredibly popular now. When you go to these northern, northern European cities, there's a whole bunch of them that do it in this way, their, their streets run very freely and the people are very happy with them. All right. OK, well, we will see where that goes. Um, we'll have to leave it there for now. My thanks to Neil and to Sean. Michael and Aina will be staying on with me because after the break, the legitimate burning of gorse fires, a practice to say goodbye to. Do stay with us. Welcome back. You may have noticed that mountains throughout the country ablaze as fires are lit in an effort to control the growth of gorse. Well, the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, says the practice of burning gorse is acceptable, but only when it's done appropriately. However, recent fires have sparked debate over the dangers they pose not only to wildlife, but also to lives. Aina Nilauna and Michael Healy-Ray are still here with me. Um, on this uh, matter, Michael, because we saw in, in Kerry the, the, the spread of those fires and we had multiple fire crews having to attend um, fires that have got out of control. 
Why is it considered a legitimate action uh, and why the need to do it at this point in the year? Because there is a deadline in the place of, of March uh, 1st and there is a rush yes. um, to clear the land. And you're making a very important point about the rush. There shouldn't be a rush because I've campaigned long and hard as have the family organisations to extend the burning period throughout March because if there was a longer period in which you could burn, it would allow for a more orderly burning. And remember... I just want to thank the fire personnel, by the way, who have always been so, so diligent, not just in County Kerry, but throughout the country. But the burning of vegetation like this in the mountains, some people think that it's all like a criminal act. It is not. If it's done properly and if it's properly managed, what it does is it allows for the burning off of old heath and growth that is not edible for animals. It allows for phosphate to be in the ground and a green sprout to come up. And that's good grassland management. And if you don't do it regularly, you will have an overgrowth. Then a fire could come, for instance, like in County Kerry a number of years ago from the National Park. It's notoriously hard to control, yes. isn't it, gorse yes. well, fires? You see, when, when you, when you, even when you set them if you uh, burn regularly, as you're saying. If you burn regularly, it's safer because it can be done in a controlled manner. If you let it go wild, or if you're made, make it go wild, then it's actually allowing for more danger. Aina, um, of course, as far as the argument is, it's needed to clear the land. Um, uh, the, the problem being, yeah, maybe there's a rush to do it, but it is a necessary, it's necessary to do it uh, um, on mountains around the country. Would you agree with that? Well, of course I wouldn't. You wouldn't have invited me around otherwise. Myself and Michael would be agreeing on the thing and we'd have no discussion. So, of course, I don't agree with it because, first of all, the season is from the 1st of September until the end of February, which is September, October, November, December, January, February, six months of the time when burning so far is permitted. Now, it's only permitted in Ireland because of a derogation. It's actually not permitted on a European level, but we have a derogation. And last year, at the end of 22, was the end of it. But there was such an amount of lobbying that the derogation was brought in again from, from the 1st of January to the end of February. They burnt at the end of February in the time, but the weather was so dry that the thing went on longer because the, the fires expanded. Now, the thing about it is that burning vegetation gives off CO2, which is adding to the climate change, it gives off an awful lot of smoke, which is bad for people's lungs who are managing it. Mm. It kills wildlife that are trapped. It reduces the habitat for them and it damages the soil underneath that gets burnt as well. Now, there, there, that's what's wrong with burning furs, burning gorse, burning whatever you want to call it. And, and that's, that's what's wrong with it now. Yeah. I mean, and, and whether if, that's the way to do it is, is what if, Michael's going to tell us, but listened, that's what's wrong with it, yeah. If you listen to Anna's argument there, she would give you the impression that you can burn during the winter months. Well, if you didn't realise, ground is fairly wet during the winter months in Ireland. What about the so, point she's making about the environmental impact of all of this, though? But what about the environmental impact that people need food? We need, Are, we is there need food being sheep. Grown, well, no, is there food no, being grown no, on those no, mountains no, where no, gorse is being the, removed, no, Michael? There's, there's sheep up there trying to eat and live and survive. People put cattle up the hills. We want a green sprout. We want hills to be managed. They're, this is, again, it comes back to part of living. If, it's there wildlife, if there are wildlife in that gorse, in that if, natural habitat if, that are being killed in the process. Exactly what I said to you. If burning is done on a continuous basis, 
it's done then properly and it's organised. There'll be no home for the fires going out so of control. There'll be no home for them any time of the year. No, no, I wouldn't say that. That's not fair to say that. Okay. That's a flippant comment. That's not factual. Okay, but and the focus you, you believe should be on, I suppose, farming the land. Yes, in and, essence. and what we should be doing is sure. extending the burning season because uh, what happens at present is there was literally only one week usually. The season should be throughout March as well. And that's what uh, farming groups, that's what I've been campaigning right. for and what I will continue ca to campaign for. Aina, with all this rush that leads to fire hazards, if it was more yeah, spread the, out, if the, you could yeah, do but the reason, March... Yeah, but the reason why it isn't solution? into March is because March is the breeding season. And these areas of mountains are places for ground nesting birds. Things like curlew, 90% of which have gone. Things like red grouse, birds like other ground nesting species of pipits and snipe and, and all of have those. Have we seen a change we in that happening earlier yeah. as well? And I mean, as I said, climate change is happening. Things are getting warmer earlier. It was really dry in February. It could have burnt to the beginning of February. It wasn't as wet as Michael is maintaining. It was a really dry February. And that's why the thing went out of control at the end of the month, because the thing spread. Because, of course, furs, winds, whatever we might like to call them, are full of, um, you know, high... So, so they burn very well. Because so say you're to remove the gorse if you do want that land for grazing, how do you do it? Well, I'm not an agricultural advisor. I mean, I'm telling you what's wrong with doing well, yeah, If you, you want to know how to do to you, farm your land, ask an agricultural don't you? You seem to be able to tell people what they shouldn't do, but you can tell them what they can do. And the one thing that I do know, because I live in the real world, we need sheep, we need lambs, we need cows, we need calves, we need bullocks, we need meat. Okay. People have to eat. And the Greens have to realise this. We're not all going to be able to go around we just survi to, surviving on the wind. To, we people, have to go. People Unfortunately, we are out of time on that. We, 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 we have to go. Of, we we have export to go. most of our meat. All right. Aina got the last word. That is it from Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My thanks to Aina, to Michael, and to all our panellists from the late team here. Good night. Take care.